here are the sin issues. And it says in the Bible that God hates these things. And I would suggest to you, I'll bet you hate these things too, okay? So now, now we get into verse 16 of Proverbs chapter 6. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination of his soul, which, by the way, I went back in and looked at the Hebrew. It hurt, the, the word there for abomination is a word you use when down in your being. You can't stand this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It is a journey that you are on. It's not something you can opt out of. It's not something that you can cancel your subscription to. It is still a journey you're on, whether you're moving forward or backwards in it. And we want to be alongside you to help you grow and not shrink in your faith. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do the Salty Pastor Podcast without a Salty Pastor. And we have one of the best Salty Pastors that I know, <laughs> Pastor Harvey Friesen here in the house for two podcasts in a <laughs> row. Twice in one week. Good to be with you guys again. Thanks for being with us yesterday, or I should say being with us on Tuesday. It's a pleasure to be able to dive into the Word of God. We're going to do it again this weekend. Of course, this weekend is the that place in the Advent where we're celebrating the coming of the Christ. Hopefully you have been subscribing to our Advent, and then in the Advent you're getting those daily devotionals mm. that are coming out. If you haven't, 7,200, and then they do 72,000, and 70, they do FH Advent. Uh, 72,000, FH Advent, and you can get on that list, get your daily devotionals. Shadley and I listened to ours again this morning. So, yeah, anyway, good to be with you twice in one week. So thanks for having me, Jesse. And we are in the middle of our Christmas season. If you are a future podcast listener, catch up. We are in the middle of our Coming Home for Christmas series, and we've been talking all about coming home to God um, and what Christmas is really about, which is his invitation for us to return to him after having been separated from him um, due to sin. And so we thought this would tie in really well when people are coming home physically to a lot of family things and stuff, and they're dealing with a lot of relationships. We want to pair that also with the idea that God wants us to come home to him, and we he wants that relationship to be strong and healthy. See, one of the things you pick up on there, though, Jesse, that's kind of secondary to that is, is coming home to God is this beautiful theme that, that flows into Christmas, moves obviously into Easter as well, that God mm. is always welcoming us home. In between Christmas and Easter, we have the prodigal son story, the notion of, you know what, we're welcome to come home. We talked about it on Tuesday that you can be redeemed. That's the gift of forgiveness, is, and, and that the gift of Christianity is not just being forgiven, but being redeemed. Uh, but, but let me talk about a, a little bit of a complex issue as it relates to our Christian faith. And, and I want to say something in, in, in isolation for a moment. In other words, dynamic tension. So hold my first thought in dynamic tension, and then we get to the second one. And that is this, is that my vertical relationship with God is why I believe in God. I've come home to Christ. I've come home and found my spiritual home. I've come home and found my spiritual father. I've come home and found a God who not only loves me and welcomes me, but he gave me something that I needed. Every one of you have got a nick or a wound in your life, but the nick and wound in my life was I had a dad who moved in and out of our house five different times while I was in junior high and high school. And in mm. that process, I got accustomed to my father leaving me. One of the most beautiful beautiful things in the scripture for me is Jesus said uh, that, uh, that God would never forsake us and never leave us. And that's an important thing. And I want to, I want to just, if you can, dynamic tension, our spiritual home, which is vertical with God is paramount. It's above all else. 
Now, what I would say, though, is what derails the vertical relationship we have with God oftentimes is because we get stuck on the horizontal relationship. Mm. Now, I like the cross, and I know it's just exemplary of the thought, but if you think about it as this, is that the Christian faith is coming home vertically so I can learn to be home at home with people horizontally. I'm understanding how to be with God and how to be with others. Mm. And I think that what happens is a lot of times— we draw the cross the opposite way. We draw the cross beam first, and then we put up that that for the the vertical beam. If you think about it, you cannot create a cross beam first because there's nothing to hold it up. And that's one of the things that we have to think about. And I almost pointed my finger at you. I'm not that guy. And I'm actually going to read a verse here in a minute uh, where there, there there's, a, there's a statement about the pointing of the finger, right? And, and it actually was a way of shaming people ver- uh, horizontally in culture. I want to talk about the horizontal, but I want to establish first, now you held that in dynamic tension with me, is this, is that my vertical relationship with God is why I believe in God, why I trust God, why I follow God, because I found my home in God, because he forgives me through his son Christ, and more importantly, or sorry, as importantly, the next step is he redeems me. And what does redemption mean? He literally says, I not only forgive you, I'm going to take you to a new place. That new place is derived from the vertical. Where we get messed up with is the hypocrisy of others, you know, where others let us down. Mm-hmm. Hey, let me, let me help you with something. You're going to be let down. Your pastors are going to let you down. Your creative arts directors are going to let you down. There are all kinds of people in your life that are going to let you down. Welcome to life. It's not <laughs> fair. That's just how it works. Now, what I would suggest to you is, is, is that if your faith is built on the horizontal, it is levitating as long as you can hold it up. Mm. If your faith is built on the vertical, that vertical stands. Now it's on there that you brace the horizontal. And so we want to talk about that a little bit today. Yeah. So you're saying we are, we're, we, this whole series is very focused on that vertical aspect. And, but today for our application, you want to talk about the horizontal, about how, do we, how do we deal with the people that are around us? Because yeah. it would be nice if all we had to do with was God and we just had this amazing relationship totally. with him. But there is still other people in our lives yeah. who will let us down and who are going to hurt us or, or aren't always going to be there for well, us. they're going to be imperfect. They're going to yeah. be humans. They're going to be all like that. we need God. Okay, so let's do a little thing for a second. We established this thought. The, the church of Jesus Christ is called the bride of Christ, right? So we are the wife of Christ, if you really think of it that way, right? So we're yes. the bride of Christ. He's the groom, we're the bride. He's the bridegroom, we're the, we're the bride. And in that, here's a line I have, okay? I established this thought. My faith is built on a vertical relationship that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and that in John 15, he said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So that's why Christ is so important in our lives. That's why he brings us home. But I want to say this about the bride of Christ. I love Jesus, but I got a couple of questions about his wife. <laughs> okay? Yep. I love Jesus, but I got a couple of questions about his wife. And I'll bet all of you out there who are listening to us also have a few questions about his wife. It's like, why does she do that? And I can't believe she the other day, and I can't believe this, and I can't. And, you know, well, if she really was, you know, the wife of Christ, you would think that. I mean, think about all those things. Now, take that all the way to the parody of Dana Carvey church lady mocking us for the fact that we are less than Christ-like in many situations. Mm. If your faith, again, is built on that horizontal crossbar, you're going to get let down. In fact, you out and put it this way, you can't hold your faith up long enough to make it to the end of your life. 
Now, I want to make an observation. So I'm 56, and I want to make an observation that I've seen in your 50s. Is that, is that in my 50s, there are things that come natural to me that I learn and I know. I'll give you a few of them. One more. Relationships are hard, and relationships can be easy. Relationships are painful, and relationships can be joyful. I found that relationships can be filled with joy, and they can be equally filled with dread. I found that, you know what? People will let you down. Mm-hmm. And you know what I found in my 50s too? I've let people down. I've mm-hmm. let people down. And I can be on either side of those two, those two word equations there. But what I've also found in my 50s is this, is that in your 30s and 40s, 20s, 30s, and 40s, you can kind of outrun it. You can keep going. There's new people. You move to a new city. You start a new job. You do a new thing. You can outrun all those sorts of things. But what I found in my 50s, I can't outrun it. And then maybe it isn't because uh, I'm surely gotten slower. And, but that, you don't think that's probably, it's, you know, this would be the easy part for me to make an old person joke. Go but, for it. But Come that's on. not what I think it is, right? I think it's just like a snowball. You can outrun a snowball while it's still smaller than you. But in your 50s, you got a lot of snow built It got up, momentum. Well, the, the snow momentum gets momentum. starts running out, and then you get avalanches and all kinds well, he, of he, l- Let me tell you what, get, what I found is, is that in our 50s, our bad health decisions over our 20s, 30s, and 40s catch up with us. Mm. In our 50s, our bad financial decisions in our 20s, 30s, and 40s, they catch up with us. In our 20s, in our, uh, our, in our 50s, our bad... Um, uh, our bad relationship decisions catch up with us that we made in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Because here, here's what happens in the relationship world, is that in our relationship world, in our 50s, right, our kids that we had, whether they're with our first wife or with our current wife, with our first husband, our current husband, wherever we're at, in that, or maybe our first wife is our first our current wife, right? I mean, the whole bit, whether however that works. The, 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 when relationships break, they create an, they create an exponential effect. Mm. And it's not just a snowball coming down that catches you. The whole mountainside comes down. It's called an avalanche. Right. Right? And I found that in your 50s, stuff catches up with you. Because if you notice, too, the delineation happens where all of a sudden 50s is the place where, you know, the old saying, I mean, you, you, you have a crisis, and what's that midlife crisis? I don't think it's a midlife crisis. I think it's just the reality is it all caught up. Mm. It all caught up. And then we go, how do I get out of that? So we're going to talk today about some of the things that actually, um, and, and some of you, if you've trained yourself to only like the do's of the faith, you know, come on the great days, come on the easy days, come on the beautiful days, enjoy all the wonderful things. Tell me about all the blessings God has for me. Tell me about Jeremiah 29, Verse 11, how God's got all this wonderful life all packed in for me. If you've been trained to just be hopeful about the good days, you've not developed your full faith. One, I love the do's of the Bible. I love the blessings of the Bible. But you got to understand also the don'ts. When you're a kid, think about how training works first. The things you tend to learn first from your mom and from your dad are the don'ts on their way to the do's. Don't put your finger in the electrical socket. Don't, don't put your finger Billy. in your nose when you're in public. <laughs> don't do, I mean, all the little yes. don'ts, right? We know, and, and uh, now we can get overbearing parents on the don'ts, but I would just say to you as well, there are some really instructive don'ts. And in fact, the Bible has some wonderful don'ts. And, I, and I've taken the liberty here to take some verses that we're going to look at in the Bibles. And by the way, Proverbs chapter six is a phenomenal book of wisdom. I, I did do a few weeks ago, I preached on uh, Proverbs chapter three and how it's the rock and foundation of the Bible, how it brings understanding and truth. Well, ro- well, Proverbs chapter six does a phenomenal job too. Listen to 
verse 12. And this is talking about a person who's blown up their lives, right? Okay. So a worthless person, a wicked man, is one who walks with a perverse mouth, who winks with his eyes. In other words, he's going, uh, let me in on the secret. I'm kind of messing this guy over, but wink, wink, here's what I'm doing whose signals are scrapes with the feet. These are all hand and, and body gestures that are common in the Middle East, who points or instructs with the finger, okay, uh, who with per perversion in his heart continually devises evil, who spreads and sends out strife among others. Therefore, this is the 50s, your 50s of your life Bible verse that catches up. Verse 15 says, therefore, his disaster will come suddenly. Instantly, he will be broken and there will be no healing. Here's what God is saying when he hands out wisdom to us on the horizontal plane. If you live with a perverse mouth, if you wink with the eye, in other words, you've got, you know, kind of a deal for some people, a deal for other people. If you signal a scrape with the feet, if you point with your finger, if you are perverse in your heart and you continually devise evil and you spread strife, the most evangelistic people in the world are people who love to cause problems for others because they got problems in their lives. Mm. Okay. And it says your disaster will come suddenly. The Bible says there are seven things that God hates. Now you're preparing for your Christmas time to get together. And I, I, before I get to the seven things God hates, I just want to say this. I know that in every person's life, there's one, two, three, four, five, 50, hundred, however many, but there's at least one or two or three difficult people in your life. Some of you just don't get along with, right. okay? Now, here's, one, here's an important thing, especially those of you who are raising parents, especially par or raising kids as parents, and if you're raising kids in that 12 to 15 range, you really need to get this down. You need to look at your kid's life, and if there's something they're doing you don't like, you need to figure out, think it through, is what they're doing a style issue or is what they're doing a sin issue? Okay. Mm -hmm. Now in this scenario, the Bible's talking about sin issues, not style issues. There are people that just do life different than you. Our staff has got 30, 31 people with very diverse backgrounds, very diverse gifts, very diverse likes, very diverse abilities, capabilities, interests, all those kinds of things. But what's so beautiful is there's one word that brings us together. It's Jesus, right? Because we all bend our knee. We all seek his face. We all desire him. And that, that vertical beam is on which we have hung the horizontal being. Fair, Jesse, right? Absolutely. So we're building that. Now, are we perfect? Of course we're not. But what we're trying to do is, is establish this on this, okay? Now, here are the sin issues. And it says in the Bible that God hates these things. And I would suggest to you, I'll bet you hate these things too, okay? So now, now we get into verse 16 of Proverbs chapter six, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination of his soul, which by the way, I went back in and looked at the Hebrew. It hurt, it, the, the word there for abomination is a word you use when down in your being, you can't stand this. Mm. Okay. And, and, and I'll bet you that there are some people out there in podcast land that are hearing this that are going, man, they're just, I, I love my fill in the blank. But next week, I know that at Christmas, when we show up at the Christmas table, they're going to fill in the blank, okay? And what you're saying is down in your soul, you're just already dreading that, okay? Now, now I just want to stay with me on this thought, okay? Because I want to help you have a better Christmas dinner, a better Christmas gathering, a better Christmas whatever in your life. There are seven things that are an abomination and that hurt the soul of God. Number one, haughty eyes. That first thing that God hates is pride, God hates pride. I'll bet you, I'll bet you everybody 
in, in podcasts. Nobody likes proud people. Mm-mm. Now, there's nothing wrong with having self-confidence. There's nothing wrong with having a sense of personal agency about you. But the notion of being a prideful, cocky individual, no one likes being around those people. No one likes that. Right? And, and there's a visceral response almost to pride. I mean, I was downtown by the Boise Co-op the other day, and I'm, and I'm there, and there's a car coming out. There's a car in front of me, and he's waiting on that car to come out. Uh, and so he's got a blinker on. I got a blinker on. A guy in a big old Cadillac Escalade with smoked windows and smoked lights and all, you know smoked rims and all this bit comes up behind us and just lays into the horn. And I'm like, bro, we're all waiting. Really? <laughs> no. And I mean, I literally I looked in my rearview mirror and I'm thinking, oh yeah, you're more special than everyone else. That's a res- that's a response to pride, right? right? It says in the scripture, God hates pride. Second thing he says he hates is a lying tongue. God hates deceit. I'll bet you all, all of us here, hate deceit. The third thing, or second thing, the third thing there is hands that shed innocent blood. If we were to see somebody being taken advantage of that was an innocent young person or whatever, somebody that we knew was being wronged, I guarantee our visceral response would be, that's wrong. Yeah, right. Absolutely. God hates that. And the fourth thing is a heart that devises wicked plans. I mean, there are people, like it or not, I mean, I, I know this about my life. There are people that just want to see me fail. That's just how life works. Get over it. There's people that want to see you fail, people that want to see you not do well, sometimes out of envy, sometimes out of jealousy, whatever reasons. But there are people that will actually try to create scenarios where you will fail, and they devise wicked plans. Now, there's a failure side of that. There's also a sinful side of that, and that is that God hates it when people devise wicked plans. The, The fifth one is feet that run rapidly to evil. You know that you know that person growing up that the moment something bad was going on, they're like, I'm in. I'm in. Yep. God says, I hate that. Mm. Now, unfortunately for a lot of my upbringing, I was that guy <laughs> that was quick to run. Now, I was never fast feet, but I was always ready to run into evil or do the wrong thing. And thank God, God rescued me, prodigal son me, found me, grabbed me and said, son, child, boy, you become a man. I love you and hopefully change my ways. The sixth thing God hates is a false witness who declares lies. So think about this for a second. What is a false a witness shows up to tell what happened? Let's get to Christmas on here for a minute, right? There's going to be some of you that are going to get to that Christmas table, and there's going to be somebody bring up a story, and they're going to bring a slant and an angle that is utterly half true and mostly false. And they're going to bring up some way, and what, what does this say? A false witness who declares lies. There will be people that after years will spin it to a scenario because their goal, their goal, this sounds rude, is to make you as miserable as they are. Mm. Okay? This is why it's hard. This is why that whole notion of coming home is like, man, I don't want to go home. Because this goes on. Number seven, and one who spreads, spreads and I went into the Hebrew again, that's the word for sends out, is that they are literally sending out strife among the brotherhood well it's interesting that these things that uh, god declares that he hates that hurt him at his very core are all stuff that we hate too it's not just it's not a set of rules that we're it's like why is he so upset about those things that's not a big deal it's like no when we see them being done to us or done to others we're also upset about it but sometimes we have that disconnect of well that's also how God feels when we do it, right? I, right, and I think there's two disconnects there, Jesse. I think disconnect number one is is, is that we never assume we're any one of those people. Right. 
we always think we're virtuous, right? And, and definition of immaturity, we judge ourselves by our intentions. We judge others by their actions, right? Well, I never intended to spread a wicked plan. Well, then why did you say that to them? I never intended uh, to lie about that. Well, then what, why did you lead them on to believe that? And then they deduce their own conclusion. And now we are here and they don't even want to come to our Christmas. I mean, see how that plays out? Right. Right. So, so the first disconnect is we tend to believe we're always virtuous. Christian, brother, sister, non-believer, seeker, whoever you are, hear me on this. Own your stuff. I mean, we do this. I have to own mine. And, and here's the other side. People that genuinely love us, Shelly and I have a rule. It's not our rule, but of course we adopt it along the way. Praise in public, criticize in private, right? I mean, we have a healthy banter back and forth of, she'll go, that's not how I saw that. Mm. Harvard, I mean, I don't think you're representing that right. I mean, those are honest, real good conversations because I have a sister in the Lord who is also my wife that is doing what? Sharpening me and sharpening me to be a better person. So I, I want to say to you that the second disconnect is that we misunderstand Christianity and we think that Christianity is really niceanity. We're supposed to be nice all the time to everyone, no matter what. Nice is a one, two, three, four letter word. We are not called to be nice. We're called to be godly. That's a five-letter word. Nice is not godly. Nice is run me over. Nice is sure, talk about me. Nice is I won't ever speak up. People like to throw out Jesus to saying turn the other cheek. Well, I'll give you the... Okay, no, but, but, but that's right. And you know what? I want to give you a better interpretation of that. Here's the other cheek. You ready? So let's say I was standing up right now. Here's the other cheek. You hit me on this side, and you're going to hit me on this side. I'm not moving. Mm. I'm not moving. I'm standing the ground that God gave me. I love you. I care about you. You can say that about me. You can say this about me, but you are wrong. And I'm going to tell you you're wrong because see, here's what we've done. We have actually created codependency because of Niceanity rather than Christianity. We've done, we, we've blown it up, Jess. I mean, we've done a few things. We have, we have traded Niceanity and we traded Christianity in for Niceanity. And then we also traded in Christianity for churchianity. Well, if I just show up, I'll be a better person. No, no. You don't become a better person for just showing up. The pews aren't nice. The, pew, the pews aren't godly. The, the pews are nice, but they aren't godly. See the mm -hmm. difference? Yep. Right? So we need to think about that. Listen, listen to, um, listen, God's, God's got a goal for how we change this. How we okay. change our, our bad relationships. How we change our bad relationships, how we change ourselves. And I would just say to you too, before I work on somebody else, I start with myself. We have to do that. That's, that, that is a powerful tenet of the Christian faith. Now, out of those seven abominations, or those seven things that God hates, there have been, you've probably heard the seven deadly, deadly sins, right? A lot yes. of people who like wine know about the seven deadly sins. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm saying sins with an S. And I want to read to you those seven, and I want to give you a balanced argument about how we actually are called to be different and how we do that. But please don't forget, if you've got nothing else today, get this. When Jesus says, turn the other cheek, he doesn't say run. He says, stand there and take it again. And then I think, come back. Because in that Sermon on the Mount, here I am pointing my finger again. It's twice <laughs> in one podcast. Doug said the Thursday. Audio, the audio only ones won't know. Oh, ah, that's true. Yeah. Well, Pastor Doug did say, get salty on, on Thursday. So here I am being salty, but I'm being pushy. Is this, is that there are seven deadly sins. What are they? They're lust, gluttony. Greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and I think the last one is pride. 
Exactly, yes. right? So here are the seven deadly sins. But I, I want to come along with it, and let me show you the cure, the biblical cure for this, okay? Because uh, each of them have a biblical cure. The cure for lust is self-control. It's the ability to say, you know what? I'm not going to do that. And, and how do we get self-control? It's, it's in Galatians chapter 5, 23. A fruit of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives is, is that he helps us with self-control, right? Second mm. Timothy 2.22, listen. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue faith, righteousness, and peace with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. The first one is lust. God says, don't be lustful. Be a person of self-control. I will help you with that. Gluttony is the second one. Gluttony is an excessive or an ongoing need for food, drink, or sex. Mm -hmm. Gluttony is living in the frontal lobe saying, and I would say there's one other one, is it's food, drink, sex, or pleasure, right? We can be gluttonous can about all those yes. things. Go ahead. You can find pleasure in different things that don't include those three things, but you can also overindulge. In I, I, so I, absolutely. It's the inability to say I have been sated and I have enough gluttony. If you think about it, is this idea. I am not satisfied by God. I will go and get my own satisfaction. Mm. I'll take it to another level. Well, what's the cure for gluttony? It's temperance or moderation. Listen to first Timothy it says, therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. God says, well, whatever you're doing, do it to my glory, not to your glory, not to all of our pleasure, not to all those things. Now, I, I want to stop at this one for a second because I want to read, and I know we're coming in on time here, but I want to read for us a verse. Uh, first Tim Second Timothy chapter 3 says this, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Listen to how he characterizes the last days. Remember the vertical strength of your faith coupled with horizontal living. People who don't have a faith in God live a horizontal life and are always trying to do what? Hold it up or prop it up. Here's what he says about that horizontal life in the latter days. Verse 3 of Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 2 for people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. Sound a little bit like where we're at. Yep. They will consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride. They will, and here's how it finishes, they will love pleasure rather than love God. Now, all these, all these seven deadly sins, going back on further, greed, sloth, uh, wrath, envy, and pridefulness, all those things are demonstrated in these actions. Now, notice this. Hold that, that beam up strong. Your faith in God. You're coming home to God. Because, by the way, the birth of Christ is an invitation to salvation. The birth of Christ, we're going to talk about this weekend, is an invitation to salvation. Listen to the last verse. They, uh, I'm going to read the, first, the one before it for, again. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, love pleasure rather than God. Verse 5, they will act religious, but they will, they will reject the power that can make them godly. They will reject the power. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that will make them godly. They will reject the vertical, and they will seek to be religious horizontally, and it will not be held up. Right. That's in the book. Now, now, finish with the last word, last phrase. Here's the last part of verse five. Stay away from people like that. Mm. Now, I, look, I mean, and some of you are going to 
please don't use this as a hammer at all, okay? I'm <laughs> they're giving cut, you a, They're I'm, kicking in the door to Christmas and saying, I'm not supposed to be with you anymore. I'm not doing it you any don't longer. Do this. Exactly. God told me. Yeah, right. Well, be careful with that one because God will say, no, wait, I can't remember telling you that because we will stand <laughs> in front of judgment. So, But you do want to hear this. There are some people in your life that you should stay away from. And there are some people that you look at them simply and say, I'm sorry, but you've disqualified yourself out of me. Now that sounds intensely prideful, Mm. but it's not about pride. It's about the clear and healthy, ready for this. This is what you're going to need for your Christmas dinner. This is what you're going to need for your whole year, okay? So let's forget just one little week. Clear and healthy and godly boundaries with other people. What makes getting together with other people so hard is that we don't have clear and healthy boundaries. Mm. We let them just steamroll us. And that's where Niceanity blows up your Christianity. Niceanity says, sure, take it, take it, take it. Christianity says, I love you. I care about you. What you're doing is hurting everybody. Could you stop? Could you stop this? No, I'm not going to stop this. Well, why, why wouldn't you stop this? Uh, because I choose not to. Well, at some point, people disqualify themselves from relationships. And Now, is that where you start with? Of course, that's not where you start with. We pray for them, we bless them, we encourage them, we do all we can. And then there are those moments where you go, enough is enough. Clear, healthy, godly boundaries are extremely important. And I would say to you, it's this, is that, is that when these, all these lusts come forward, all these lust and greed and sloth and deadly sins and all those things sort of come forward, what I would suggest to you, Jesse, is this. is that we in Christianity are, are, are told to love people and to forbear with them, but it does not mean, it does not mean that we let their sin-stained lives run or ruin our lives. Mm. That's maybe a little salty. That's a little salty, but I think it's something we can all hear going into this season. And moving on to this next year, you might have to do some evaluation with people in your lives and yeah. go, how is this and where is this going? Yeah, and totally. is this something that's ruining or running my life yeah. out of a, a good vertical relationship with God? You know, the two, the one word, the one letter difference between run and ruin is I. Mm. And I'm the one that has the ability to make those decisions about that because God vertically in me allows me to be able to know how to love those around me. Uh, so we're going to talk about it a little bit more. We're going to do that on the 1st and the 8th, by the way. So Pastor Steve and I are going to, are going to preach on the 1st and 8th A double January. preach. Yeah, we're going to Should do a double preach. For double the length? Or are we Might still, be. Could we'll be. see how that goes. You know what it means when a pastor looks at his watch? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing. Great to be with you guys. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And we'll see you on Sunday here at Foothills Christian Church. Don't forget to wear your ugly sweater. It's All right. Be great.